Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that brings you the most interesting content in information security, technology, and humans. The idea is content curation as a service. I spend between 5 and 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts. I then take what I learned from that content and turn it into a concise 30-minute summary. So I've decided to remain ad and sponsor-free. So if you're someone who enjoys the show and can afford fancy coffee, please consider heading over to danielmiesler.com support. Become a member for just $5 a month or $50 a year. Becoming a member gets you the weekly companion newsletter full of all the links and stories I mentioned on the podcast and helps me to continue doing the show. And thanks to everyone who's already a member. All right, welcome to episode 133. Do security news first. Uh, Twitter is removing as many as 1 million fake accounts per day. And I saw another part of the story that basically said they're about to remove tens of millions of followers from people's accounts because there's just tons of, uh, tons of garbage in there. And evidently this could potentially be an issue for their user growth. Uh, evidently a lot of user growth is, uh, is just fake accounts. So I think probably every service probably has that problem, but they definitely have it as well. Deep fake video technology along with AI mimicked voices are about to make the fake news situation a whole lot worse. What happens basically when it's hard for everyone to tell the difference between real or fake video or voice recording of someone important saying something bad, right? It, it basically makes it possible to claim people did something that they didn't do, but even worse, it gives deniability to people who actually did something that was horrible. So the combination of those two is, is going to be really nasty and, and the technology just keeps getting better. Of course, we will have technology to detect whether or not it's fake, but people believe anything. So, I mean, it's, it's crazy what they believe. And, uh, this is just going to make it much, much worse because it's going to give people an actual reason to believe something as opposed to believing it for no reason. More sensitive individuals such as military and intelligence workers have revealed their locations, their daily movement routes, and even potentially their homes through another fitness tracking app called Polar. The information is available through the website as part of normal operations, so it's not like there was a breach or a leak or anything. Uh, but the profiles just had way too much information available right on the site. So I, I think this comes down to kind of a bi-directional problem. The vendor should be better about making that stuff public, you know, warning people not to do that or not having that option available. But ultimately individuals are responsible for knowing that the app is doing this. And if they are sensitive, if they're, you know, spies or whatever, they shouldn't be posting their location data in, uh, in various applications. Amazon is pushing its facial recognition called recognition to governments for surveillance purposes. Um, and they're not really being shy about it. And a lot of people have complained and said, uh, you know, they're kind of uh, exerting the pressure that Google did for the, um, 
Pentagon contract. And Google pulled back because of that pressure. Amazon evidently is not doing that. Another woman has died as collateral damage in Russia's nerve agent attack on a former spy of theirs in the UK. The UK is looking to consolidate its biometric data on citizens into a centralized database for ease of theft. I mean, ease of use. Uh, the database would include DNA, fingerprint, face, and possibly voice data as well. At our current levels of security maturity, I think this is making it a bit too easy for attackers. We're just so bad at defending things. To organize all the treasure into one place is, is pretty scary. The good news is most data that's stored in the form of... Um, in these types of databases is in the form of destructive hashes. Um, it, it's pretty inevitable that um, things are going to be compromised, but the good news is that it's not, you know, you're, it, they're not stealing your face. They're stealing like a SHA-1 hash of your face or, or, or some sort of hash, right? Um, so if even if the database were pilfered, it wouldn't necessarily be as bad as a lot of people think. Now, if we're restoring these amazingly high quality renders of your face or your fingerprints or your voice or whatever, and that we could use those to make replicas that could then authenticate into any other system, well, then we've kind of, then we have really had that problem and, and resulted in uh, really sensitive data being stolen. But in most cases, we're not stealing the thing that we could use to make the uh, the the tricking agent, right? It, whether it's a fake face or a fake fingerprint or whatever. Right now, the sensors are too good, um, and they can tell the difference between the real thing and the bad thing. Um, and the database isn't making that uh, easier for the attacker because, again, it, it's destructive hashes that, that are usually being stored. Juggalo, in cl insane clown posse makeup, can evade many types of facial recognition because it reshapes the jawline. I find this kind of stuff fascinating. It's like it, you learn how an AI picks up on something and you learn what the marker is and you go and mess with that marker. And uh, this is a good example of that. Basically, it's got like a black jawline that's higher up on your face. It's like around your mouth. And it goes across, you know, laterally or horizontally across the face. And the software, the facial recognition software thinks that's the chin. And therefore, it destroys the whole thing. So it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I think this research is fascinating where you could do it for all types of AI recognition and thoroughly confuse the stuff. Uh, I, I just can't wait to see this, this escalating uh, battle go back and forth. iOS 12 is bringing significant security and privacy upgrades. Uh, too many really to mention, but it's surprising they didn't really pitch it as that. They pitched it, I, I forgot how they pitched the up, upgrade, but uh, it has a lot of security stuff. I think the biggest one is probably the brute force protection when you hook up to your USB device and also just making the device um, 
unable to be brute forced after I think an hour or half an hour. I think there are different time limits for different things, but some pretty cool stuff coming to iOS 12 security wise. A Senate intelligence report has now clearly stated that Putin meddled in the 2016 election in order to diminish American trust in the democratic system to diminish Clinton's chances of winning and to help Trump get elected. They wrote it out in, you know, clear, clear black and white. It, it's fantastic. And obviously I don't do politics on this podcast. Uh, people have views that are far too wide ranging. Um, the reason I'm talking about this story occasionally is because we happen to be living in the most interesting time ever. Uh, there for decades and decades will be stories written about this exact moment in time because we are witnessing uh, the head of Russia who Reagan hated, who all you know these American you know patriots hated or whatever. And uh, the head of Russia, who used to be KGB, who now runs their intelligence agency, is controlling our president, as, as an asset, it is so obvious. Like if you just study anything about how to control an asset and you realize how people behave when they have leverage, when someone has leverage on them and we see Putin who wants America isolated. Okay. I, America and what, uh, Obama was doing and what Clinton would have done was further sanctions and further isolation. Right. Um, he had been massively isolated. His people hate him. I'm talking about Putin now. And uh, it was just getting worse and worse. And it, it was getting to a boiling point. So what he did was he hacked the election. I'm not sure how much he helped. And no one knows for sure how much he helped uh, or what it, would it have happened anyway. But he hacked the election. He actually hacked both the Democrats and the Republicans, got both of their data, didn't release any of the Republican stuff. He still has that, right? Um, and is now basically organized and facilitated Trump going around and making complete enemies of all of our allies, right? Um, don't think about this politically. Think about it in terms of a spy novel, okay? KGB versus CIA, except for the KGB owns the president of the United States. That is fascinating. Um, it, there's a possibility that it's not true, but it sure looks true based on everything that's happening, right? You get this leverage over a person, you keep leading them along. Oh yeah. You could build, yeah, we'll buy a bunch of condos from you and you can, you know, have all these business deals, but we need you to destroy NATO. Um, and we need you to make enemies of Canada, the UK and, um, well, just basically everyone. Basically, everyone who could continue the isolation of Russia, we need you to make enemies with, dissolve all the alliances, destroy NATO, um, also release the sanctions so we can get some money back. Um, let us have our way in Syria completely. And all these things have happened exactly as Putin would want them to happen, right? which is a complete switch from the previous, you know, one or two administrations, complete switch. 
like immediately on a dime switch. So again, it, this is not politics. This is, I mean, politics, that's a separate topic. This is security. This is intelligence. This is tradecraft. This is the most interesting spy novel plot happening in real time. And nobody is, is paying attention. There actually are people paying attention, but most of them are not uh, talking about it actively or they're just ranting about it, you know, on some YouTube channel or whatever. Um, but I, I would say, that, you know, we'll be able to go back and listen to this <laughs> and, and see what happens, right. When, when the stuff comes out and it might not all come out in the Mueller stuff. I mean, for all we know, Trump will just admit it all and nothing will happen and he'll be, he'll be fine. Um, but anyway, it's super interesting. I mean, I, I, I did some very minor intelligence stuff in the military. Um, I used to be kind of obsessed with the whole idea of uh, intelligence work and tradecraft. So the techniques that you use and what it looks like when an asset is being controlled are, are fairly well known. I mean, it, it's easy to learn about these things and it's absolutely, absolutely happening. So, uh, all right, that was that one. Technology news. Apple Siri is about to become seriously powerful. Wow, Siri and seriously, that sounded a little too similar for my taste. Uh, but not due to an upgrade to its AI capabilities. This fall, Apple is releasing an app called Shortcuts, which lets you build custom Siri workflows that are accessible by simple voice commands. It'll be functionally equivalent to Siri being natively upgraded, or, or in a lot of ways it will. It'll it'll seem like the AI is just smarter, but you'll have to do some setup to get it going, right? For those things that you want to do. So you could be, you could basically say like, "Oh, I I need to go home," or it's you know Miller time or whatever. You say whatever, and it does a series of things that um, that Siri can do for you in all these different connected tasks. Um, a buddy of mine had a super cool idea. So he made one where he tells uh, his watch specifically, um, you know, we've been caught or the jig is up or destroy everything. And it will SSH into his Mac and uh, it will execute the command say, deleting everything, which means Mac OS will use an AI voice to say deleting everything, which means he could talk to his watch, say some spy oriented thing. And his Mac will say, I'm deleting everything. doesn't actually do anything because he just executed the say command. But I mean, maybe you could rig up uh, an RM switch RF command and uh, destroy the planet. Anyway, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, the whole the whole watch thing, by the way, um, uh, the WatchOS five now has the walkie-talkie uh, feature. This is like the basically the coolest thing ever uh, for like tech. I mean, talking into your watch. This is this is kind of like the flying Jetsons car. This is the promise that we've all been sort of, uh, dangled, uh, for decades and it's never happened. 
and we're finally going to be able to talk into our watch. We can also do with uh, watchOS 5, you can raise your watch and just talk into it uh, without pressing any buttons, without doing anything. And that, that's pretty cool. But being able to link all these commands, which makes Siri better, um, and then do walkie-talkie on your watch to your friends, that's just fantastic. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to these upgrades, which they kind of pitched as being minor, but they're turning out, it's turning out to be a really big set of upgrades for watchOS um, and iOS. I'm also on the beta for macOS, and I, I'm loving that as well. Um, algorithms can now listen to motors to tell if they're about to die. The magic here is simple and universal. The algorithm is capturing thousands of variables that we cannot possibly perceive. And they're looking for those variables in everything they look at, right? When they listen to another motor. So you feed it a bunch of dying motors, which we know are dying. Thousands of variables in there, which we don't see. The AI does. And it's not AI. It's not some super intelligent thing. It's just machine learning notices these variables. Um, it's actually the same with dogs that can that can smell drugs. Actually, humans could do this too. Humans can smell disease on people, like certain certain people can. And it's like, oh, what are you looking for? I don't know. I just know you have this disease, right? Um, the better the sensors, the better the training, the more powerful it gets. Only with machine learning and everyday problems that where the problems are are largely static. The solution is super easy to scale. This is crazy. This is why people, this is why machine learning and uh, this kind of stuff is going to get huge in customer service. It's because it's a common problem, common mistakes. You got to listen for emotion. You got to listen for anger. You have to escalate calls. You have to be really good at your set of questions. It's uh it's a perfect place for machine learning to, to learn and adapt and scale out and basically liquefy the human jobs inside of call centers. That's about to happen. When I say about to happen, I don't know. Who knows? Nobody knows for sure. Um, five years, 10 years, three, year, three to 10 years. I'm guessing before we see a massive impact on call centers. And we've already had automation in call centers anyway. I mean, those call trees, those automated machines, we've already had automation there for a long time. This is just going to be a step above that's going to take even more humans out of the loop. I, I would say most humans. You're basically going to have top-end account managers at, at the final thing. After the automation and after the AI or, you know, the machine learning, the, the automated um, stuff like Google Duplex, the third tier will be top end humans. You won't have these giant farms of uh, unskilled humans. Nikon is finally releasing a couple of mirrorless cameras. I think I'm waiting for the Canon one. I don't have any gear and uh, I've been studying religion closely and I think I'm gonna switch to the Canon religion away from the Nikon one, which is actually apostasy. Um, so, Hopefully I won't be killed for that. Hiring is going to be a great place for AI to disrupt because humans are so bad at doing hiring while they think they're great. Uh, once the data becomes available on all the thousands of things we can smell on a human, basically going back to this 
this dog sniffing, drug sniffing uh, analogy. Um, we're basically going to know the smells of good and bad employees, right? And uh, <laughs> we're going to be able to just look at large groups of people and be like, yeah, this one's a winner. How do we know? Well, we don't really, but machine learning does know. And uh, that's where we got to be super careful, right? Because you don't want the machine learning to, to catch on to something that's actually a human flaw, which is, let's say you're in some racist place. And the reason people win is because they are selected because of their race, right? And the reason people lose is because they're deselected because of race. Um, and then that's counted, according to the machine learning algorithm, as a win or a loss. So then you expose them to lots of different people, um, you know, lots of different people's data and it picks, you know, the, the good race and it, pick, and it doesn't pick the bad race according to whatever place that you're in. And that's, that's dangerous because that's transferring a human bias, a human prejudice directly into the algorithm. Um, and wherever you have bias or wherever you have human interaction that's being transferred into the algorithm, we're going to have this problem, right? Um, and wherever you have more strong data where the human is not involved, it's like, did the person pay off the loan or did the person not pay off the loan? That's a little bit easier. But if it's just, you know, Jim in the uh, 1960 loan office and someone comes in and is like, I want a loan, it's like, well, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think you're credit worthy. That is a human bias. And we don't want to teach AI how to do human bias that that would that would be bad so human news uh gaming now has more revenue than tv movies and music combined gaming is about to be like the world cup basically it's going to be compute it's going to be video games and soccer um or football if if you travel a lot and have a passport, basically, um, American football is about to go away. Uh, concussions. There's a really cool article talking about this, actually. So the massive amount of concussions is going to change the game. They're going to totally nerf the game. Might actually happen very soon. Might happen next year. They're going to totally nerf the game. People are going to stop watching it. Um, we've already had this, this, uh, public reaction setback because of the kneeling stuff and all that political stuff around that. But what's much, much worse is that the evidence is so clear that even like one or two concussions and definitely like 55 concussions will mess your brain up. You, your brain will rot. You will, you know, be, uh, eaten through a sippy cup, like oh, just really bad stuff. And parents, particularly mothers are like, guess what? My kid's not going to play that. So it starts drying up in the very early, like, I don't know what it's called. I never played football, but uh, peewee league or whatever. Parents stop putting their kids in the league, right? So less and less people go into high school football, less and less people play college football and less and less people will, um, you know, get to the NFL. Uh, it, it's just the, the quality goes down. And people don't want to see nerfed action. They want to see people smashing into each other old style. So um, it's on a decline. And video games 
are on the rise. Absolutely. And then you add in the VR aspect, um, you add in just better and better hardware. It's, it, you also add in the fact that reality is sad and people are depressed about reality. So people will want to escape more from reality. They'll move more to video games. Um, foot, foot, American football gets nerfed and it's basically going to be video games and soccer. Um, obviously there's lots of other sports, but, um, video games is about to become, I think the human pastime. Um, receiving a dose of testosterone makes men more attracted to high status products. It seemed to follow that men who like high status items have higher testosterone, but that seems slippery, uh, cause there could be lots of different causes for that. Women, for example, also like high status items, uh, but they're not famous for having high testosterone. So maybe it's high levels of either testosterone or other female associated hormones. Maybe high status is more high status. Things are more attractive. If your hormones are high, it doesn't matter what kind you have. Like the opposite of status seeking isn't male or female, but is actually asexual. Denmark is getting very serious about its integration problem with its Muslim immigrants. It's requiring parents in isolated ghettos to send their kids to be trained in national values for a certain amount of time per month. And they're penalizing parents who don't comply. So I agree we need to integrate better, but I'm not sure this is going to work. It's probably just going to harden the immigrants further into their own ways and bias them against the, the home country. It's a really hard problem. Um, I'm just happy someone is at least trying to do something about it. I'm just worried it's going to swing super right, make the people more angry, and then that'll switch them more right. And it's just, it, it's a bad, uh, bad incline. A uh, bunch of reasons Americans are having fewer children. Um, a couple of the lists, uh, the reasons on the list that I liked were they were, didn't want to bring people up in this world and they also couldn't afford childcare. So they just weren't having kids. I love the fact that they're even thinking about that and doing something about it or not doing something about it as it were. Scientists are excited about a new approach to fighting drug resistant bacteria. The system coats bacteria cells while avoiding human cells so that the body's immune system can find and focus attention on them. So imagine it's like a bright orange spray. Um, and you just spray it everywhere, but only the bacteria get covered in orange and the regular cells don't. And then the immune system's like, get them, get them boys. Uh, Sweden and France have reinstalled mandatory government service and the trend could spread to other countries in Europe. I think the U S needs this as well. Not, not for like hardcore military service, but for the concept of being a citizen. We're no longer teaching people that being a citizen is a two-way interaction that requires something from you. We're basically just like show up and get your benefits or, or whatever, show up and get your education, show up and get all your free things that you get just by being born here. Whereas uh, in order to instill some sort of respect for that system, you, you've got to give into it. Uh we have our first image of a newborn planet being formed around its star. And Kenya just announced that they're implementing the death penalty for poachers. 
Very good news in my opinion. Ideas, trends, and analysis. People are saying serverless could add a lot more developers to the mix because it completely abstracts the setup required to bring an idea into existence. I think serverless is super exciting. It's basically the next level after Kubernetes, which is already profound. I did a class on it with uh, uh, Jim Manico and Jimmy Mesta, both of which have JM as their initials, and it's quite confusing. But um, it's basically, Kubernetes basically building and deploying, or no, serverless is building and deploying your application and nothing else. It's being able to take an application and replicate it across multiple regions, providers, etc., without worrying about any details. It's freedom from technology and transition into ideas and business. With a transition from iron to virtual machines and then to containers and then, yeah, and then to containers, this transition to pure applications seems like a potential plateau that we can stay on for quite a while. It seems pretty difficult to abstract beyond that, uh, like going beyond just the application. I mean, what are you dealing with then? Like pure ideas? Sounds like science fiction to me. I, I think this serverless stuff is super, super cool. What I specifically want to see is a serverless version of Kubernetes, which is like Kubernetes, but, but Lambda, you know, which is the Amazon version. But, but, um, so it's like Kubernetes, but only, but ser even more serverless than that, uh, because Kubernetes is, you know, container based, but I would like to see a function as a service based infrastructure, uh, very similar to Kubernetes. When that happens, I'm absolutely jumping in. Hopefully two to five, two to five years. No, I have no idea. Um, hope feels like two to five years. Uh, let me know what you think about this. Um, if you're in this space or you find it interesting, uh, hit me up. Simple, correct, fast in that order. Simple, correct, fast in that order. Discovery, a portable cracking gaming rig, gray hat warfare, search engine for S3 buckets and contents. How to store custom secrets with AWS secret management. A resource for teaching kids the command line. Things that happen in both Silicon Valley and the Soviet Union. <laughs> My favorite one on this list was uh, wait for years for a car to be built. That isn't very good. I think they're going to make fun of Tesla. Uh, an astronomer explains black holes at five levels of difficulty and a list of free data science books. Uh, notes, Steven Pinker's Enlightenment Now turned out much better than I anticipated. Um, the last few chapters on reason and science were, were really, really good. I'm now reading The Order of Time, which is absolutely blowing my mind. It's about the fundamental nature of time as we understand it today. And it's written by an expert in quantum gravitation. Uh, I'm doing the audiobook, and it's actually read by Benedict Cumberbatch, it, which it's fantastic. I mean, I just love reading it or listening to it. And um, yeah, you should definitely listen to it. It will uh, change how you see the world, definitely. It, I learned a couple of things, which I won't go into, but 
just really fascinating stuff. And uh, I've gone back to only having one screen of apps on my uh, phone, on my mobile device. And I combined my new design with uh, custom wallpaper. And I've got a link here. I did a blog post on it. Basically, a lot of people have lots of folders and lots of screens. And they think it's easier to have multiple screens because the icon is just there for you to click on. Um, I have found, and I think that for most people, if they tried both ways, it's actually much slower to swipe and, and search with your eyes than it is to only have one screen of apps with very few apps, which you use all the time. And then for everything else, you just pull down with your thumb and type a few letters and you find exactly what you're looking for. And in fact, normally when you pull down, um, they have basically algorithms predicting what you're probably looking for. So when you pull down, the thing you're looking for is probably there in the list anyway. It's actually way faster. Um, it's more simple. So just one screen. I don't have multiple screens of apps. Recommendations. Your life will be significantly upgraded if you start reading some of the books on your reading list or the ones that I've been recommending. Trust me on this. It causes a significant creative and intelligence bump that lasts for a couple of weeks after you read. Of course, this is the better stuff you read, the better it is. But just read, honestly. I mean, people ask why I can get a lot done. Uh, I don't watch TV. I don't play video games. I read and I write. That's Reading is everything. And the aphorism. Uh, very much in line with this. The aphorism for this week is I live for books. Thomas Jefferson. I live for books. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. And don't forget, you can also get the show, including all the links to the things I mentioned, in text form by signing up for the email newsletter at danielmiesler.com newsletter or via the blog post for each episode. I'll see you next time.